Welcome to the Art and Science of Joy podcast. This podcast is all about inspiring people to live more joyfully. So if you're seeking a bit more joy in your own life or seeking to bring some more joy to the lives of others, then this podcast could well be for you. I'm Andrew Cannon, and I have the honor to be your host. And in this special episode, I'm excited to be talking with Tony McLeland about the compassionate business and compassionate leadership. Tony resides in London and spends time in Wales. Um, I know Wales very well. Um, she's a critical friend and business mentor, as well as founder of the Compassionate Business and Leadership Framework. Tony assists C-suite leaders and boards to navigate the world of business, crisis and change management in her work around organizational culture and major incidents. Tony is a champion of diversity, equity and inclusion, as well as compassionate leadership. Empowerment is embedded in Tony's work and she has been described as fairy dust personified, which I'm very fascinated to find out more about. So welcome to the show, Tony. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Andrew. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's, it's great to have you. So let's start with fairy dust. It's always a good place to start in the morning. So tell me, tell me about that. Well, I just have this thing, Tony's fairy dust. And, and I don't know, it started a few years ago and uh, I was speaking to somebody and they were just so sad. And I needed to momentarily take them out of their sadness. So I said to them, there you go. I'm going to throw some fairy dust uh, to you and I want you to catch it. And instantaneously, they were just kind of, oh, I caught that. I caught it and I feel so much better already, you know. And it felt like a bundle of energy that I was mm. giving to this person, a bundle of inspiration and empowerment and enthusiasm. And everything was just in this bundle. And, and actually, they caught it. And, uh, you know, and it felt good. So ever since then, it was just because it was just in the moment, here's some fairy dust and they call it. And ever since then, I've just been given fairy dust. Some people ask for it by the bucket load. <laughs> some people ask for the more potent stuff. Mm. And some people ask for a sprinkling. A sprinkling. And for those people that are not so deserving, I tell them that I'll be in touch when I restock. There you go. There you go. Excellent. Excellent. And the world and humanity needs lots of fairy dust. So it's welcome. my superpower. It's yeah. my superpower. Love it. I love it. I love it. That, that's brilliant. And it's great that you bring that into the world of business, right? Because in a way, business has always been seen as no, that's serious. And, and we can do the fairy dust when we get home. But you, you're seeing a way to combine this. So tell us a little bit about your your journey and your inspiration to become a, a business mentor? Well, I think, first of all, I just want to say that I think it's just so important because it leads into authentic leadership as well. Mm. Be yourself. You know, you can't just rock into the office and be somebody else. And there's a statement that I put out, a quote, and I say it's so much easier for you to be yourself if you are not trying, you know, because you actually when, when you're trying to do something or be something, then you're not being yourself, are mm. you? And there's, there's an example that I can give because of that. But, but ultimately, I think it's, you know, and in the world that I'm in, social impact, social justice, social mobility, leading organisations that are working with the most vulnerable, at-risk people, you know, children, adults, teenagers, you know, sometimes things can get really heavy. And it's really mm. important to just be able to keep things light as well and take time out, you know, I listen to music, we share good moments with the staff 
and then we get back to work. So, so for me, it's just really important to be yourself, be authentic in the workplace and um, just be you. Yeah, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but I also like the, the statement, you know, um, be yourself, um, everybody else is taken. Yeah, absolutely. And I say, you know, it's so much easier to be yourself if you're not trying, because I remember mm. I was going to speak at a, um, a, an event once and um, I had all this fancy speech planned out and everything. And when it came to the time when I was going to do it, I put it to one side and I just, you know, this is half an hour before I just thought, I'm not really feeling that energy to go in that mm. direction. And so I just went unscripted, done me. And I had a standing ovation, you know, people wanted more. And I got some real positive feedback from it as well. And people were saying to me, well, actually, Tony, it was really good today. It was really great. And I just thought, so what was I trying to do? Mm. I was just being me. So what was that other thing going on over there? <laughs> you right. know? So that's where that statement came out. Um, came from that it's so much easier to be yourself when you're not trying and so therefore that's um yeah I spend a lot of time in the U.S. Um, at conferences as leaders and I've noticed a shift pre-pandemic yes but post-pandemic it's on sort of steroids of this shift towards authenticity um, in business and I don't know do you see the same thing in the UK do you see leaders being more willing to be just themselves? I think I do, but I also think as well that, that well, I don't think I know that everybody's different. Mm. Everyone is just so different. And one person's leadership style is something different to somebody, you know, it's, some, it's gonna be very different to someone else. And so ultimately, you know, that's the, the piece that we have to really take on board in terms of what does authentic you look like? Because we don't want anything that's performative. We don't want any pretend. We don't want any ego. We don't need all of that. We don't want the title determining how you speak to people. We just want you. Strip back you, <laughs> you know? So I think that that's kind of, and, and some people are fearful of that. But one of the things I would say is that not everybody is great at doing everything that they need to do. Mm. I can remember when I was younger, I, I worked in a bank. One of my earlier roles was in a bank. And I had two managers, two leaders. They were both managers, but they were leading the, 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 the bank that I was working in. And one was really, you know, he was very much the person that you go to if you had a problem, if you wanted a day off, if you were sick or anything else that was going on. And then there was another that you spoke to about banking. This is the banking right, development yes. department, and this is the person department. But the two of them worked in sync together, mm. and it was absolute perfection. So, you know, I think that there is this piece of what are the components that we need? Okay, I've got A, B, and C, and there you go, Andrew, you've got uh, D, E, and F. Let's put them together and work together so that everybody gets what they need. And I think that people are forgetting that element. Mm. And so... Uh, you know, going into areas that they're not quite comfortable in or, and, and so, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave that there. For yeah, no, no, it's so true. You know, this, this importance of self-awareness in business and self-awareness of what you're good at and what you're not and, and don't, you know, the trap of going to hire people who are just like you and you end up in a mess as a leader when you do that instead of 
you know, understanding where your strengths are and your weaknesses well, and then hiring people in the team to complement that. Absolutely. And I've been working um, a little while ago with um, a leadership team who had a leader and that leader was so used to working in the heart of central government, you know, really not managing teams, mm. but really great with white papers, green papers, lobbying, really, you know, the key stuff, the heart of Westminster. And he was really good at doing that but not so great at managing teams. And so that social aspect was lacking a little bit. And so the leadership team around him, you know, would quite, would quite often wait for him to make decisions, mm. not him not get it quite right and be ready to kind of lynch him, you know, um, for getting it wrong. And I, so I said, well, actually, we know that he might get it wrong. So why don't you feel empowered and do it? take it away from him and say, you do mm. that bit and I'll do this bit. And, and it was a real shift in yeah. the mindset to know that actually, I, can I do that? Yes, he wants you to be empowered. He wants you to do that. So it was really just that whole thinking piece around the fact that they, you know, people really kind of, Andrew needs to do this. He needs to do that. Mm. Why aren't you doing that, Andrew? And spend their mm. whole time in a bed of frustration when why do you need to be frustrated? Because it's clear that Andrew isn't going to do it. Right. It's not his thing. <laughs> and and if we start thing. thinking about, mm. if we start unpicking some of these behaviours or, you know, learn habitual, innate and taught behaviours, some of them embedded from when you were young. Mm, correct. So how are we going to get Andrew to do that? How are we going to pick unpick all of that? That's like asking my 86-year-old mother to change what she's been doing for the last 30 yeah. years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's easier to change, change around, change around. No, it's not going to happen. It's not going to. So, you know, one of the things I, I think about when I'm listening to you is that, you know, we've somehow got into a, a trap in building these organisations where it's sort of funneling people to the top as being sort of the career path, right? So even if you're a great expert, you're sort of pushed and you feel you need to go into general management, into senior management, to be successful um, and to get more more reward, um, even if that's not where you you belong, right? That's not your your skill set. But mm -hmm. the businesses tend to push us and value people instead of saying, "Well, no, this should be more circular. This should be more team collaboration based." Where we we find ways. So, are you finding some organisations are more embracing that, or are they still tending to funnel people to the top? I think that. Um... There's a lot more work that needs to be done, but people are getting used to the fact that actually this is an area that they need to go in. Mm. So it's about get, you know, knowing that it's needed, sometimes not knowing how to make the shift. Yeah. Some are embedded old school behaviors that are so entrenched that, uh, that aren't gonna shift. But ultimately, you know, people are getting used to the idea that it needs to happen. Whether it does, mm or not, how long it takes. So I think some of it is more about the self-awareness stage. You know, we've yeah. got to get that self-awareness stage first. So people need to be more connected with who they are, where they're at, yeah. what's important to them. And I think that that's what a little bit of the pandemic has brought over the last few mm. years. You know, that, that whole, what do I need? What, you know, 
what's going on? Do I need to be connected with people when we're in lockdown? Mm. You know, do I, who do I need to speak to? Who's going to fill my cup? What brings me joy, as we like yeah. to say. Yeah. Who am I missing? Do I, you know, and um, I think that, that it, what it's done is it's really allowed people to have a broader understanding, especially around things like sustainable development, mm. supply chains, nature, climate change. You know, if we're not going to get that milk on our doorstep, so there's a problem and this is why it's all of these things that we take for granted and I think mm. that in some ways the pandemic has brought a lot more self-awareness it's brought a lot more awareness in general around environment and um, people being really people and a little bit more people-centered mm. oh, I like that so that's, that's really good so if we talk about leadership we've already mentioned i think at least three probably more things but three things that stuck in my mind was the, the self-awareness part the authenticity part and the people part so three characteristics of good leaders are there any others you would sort of in your work sort of pinpoint when you're trying to nurture leadership and nurture great leadership what are some of the characteristics that I think what what happens at the moment, and and I I talk about the business aspect more than the leadership piece. Part of the reason Mm. why I do that is because I think that there is this this idea that people feel that leadership is about managing people, but it's more than that. But I think that there is this thing where people think, well, I'm a good leader because I'm leading people well. But actually, leadership is more, it's it's about the vision, it's about strategy, it's about business acumen. So that's mm-hmm. why I say the compassionate business, the you know, the business person. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Yeah. so that's why I, I kind of refer to it in that kind of way. But when it comes to the leadership piece, there are some other bits that I would add in, and they are to not only know about about business because you can be a good people leader but you can also lead them around the bend if you don't know about strategy or business <laughs> where you leading them to you know off the cliff off the cliff. yes you've got to go you've got to lead them somewhere they'll all follow you but where mm. to where the other bit is about we, we mentioned about authenticity you know i think it's so important to empower and inspire others mm. and uh, one of the other quotes that i that I have, that I quite frequently say originated by myself is the fact that, you know, you use your power to give to others. Mm. You become more powerful by giving your power to others, empowering them, and then right. it comes back around. Yeah. But what, what happens is quite often leaders fall filled with ego. They want to hold on to their power. And it doesn't work like that. They just think that if I give it away, I'm going to be without. Well, actually, no. If you give it away, you're going to get more. That is such a shift. 10 people people give you back more. And then another 10 people want it. Mm. Then you give more away. And then more 100 people come back. We're not talking about 10. We're we're counting in hundreds. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And it it multiplies, right? It's it's by the power of. And it's... Absolutely. And it's like, I don't want this... You know, I can do this in my privilege of being powerful. But actually, I don't want it. I don't need it. You take it, Andrew. Give it away. Give it you away. take it, Andrew. And if you think that you can use it, you use it. Because you're going to elevate me when you're elevated. No, that is Whether so... I want that or not. Whether I want that or not. <laughs> That's so powerful. Uh, I had a discussion yesterday with somebody called Kai Fuentes. We we're actually talking about self-love. 
Um, but when we were talking about self-love in the in the contents of business, um, we sort of got onto this these terminology and and sort of thinking that you know leadership in a way that you're leading somebody. I always have an image of somebody leading a dog on a lead, right? It's not um, it's not a good image. And then I think of management. Well, that's about controlling things, boxes, putting things in boxes, and that's not good either. So, and then the person Kai said, well, how about service? You know, leadership as you're really a servant leader. Um, you're helping others. And then I thought, well, for me. I love what you just said, the empowerment. And then I try to say the word empowerer and my, my tongue couldn't quite get around it, empowerer. Um, well, but- I actually call it, um, I sometimes refer to it as, uh, or myself as the enabler. Enabler, that's a lot easier to say than empower, isn't it? Yeah, the enabler. Yeah. I'm enabling mm. you, you know, to, to do something. And so empower and inspire is another one, but the most important one is role modeling the behavior. Mm, okay, and I like Make yeah. sure okay. you are role modeling the behavior. Now, I do what I do and I do it naturally. So when people ask me, sometimes it might take me a moment to think about what I'm actually doing. Um, and, you know, especially around DEI and things like that, it's so important that you are not performative you are really and it's okay to say do you know what I don't actually understand this Mm, it's not my world please let's have a conversation around it Mm. because um you know when Deloitte done their done their work around the six traits of inclusive leadership you know those those traits are what what are they cognizance correct being courageous cognizance collaboration courage cultural intelligence and being curious. Mm. And so for me, those six are really important. Be curious. So always ask those questions and let's do away with assumption. You know, let's give the cultural intelligence, let's keep an open mind about some of those things. Let's be committed, you know, to do it, to doing things and following the, those things through. And the way that I think about compassion is I add another two C's on it. And the two C's that I add to those six are communication, which is central and it's key. The how, when, the timing of communication, Mm. these things are so key. How and when and who, and even who's the best person to deliver that communication. So the C for communication and the other C is for community because we have to think about co-production, co-creation. Look, we're doing all the C's today. Here we are. I love it. I'm a canon, so I, I love C's. I love Have you C's. got any other C's still you want to throw in? But the way that I see it, Andrew, is that, you know, if I put the communication and the, the community mm. on that, that's what makes it compassionate. Yeah. You know, it really, it really does because nothing happens without good communication. No. And nothing happens without community. Communication is just as much listening as, as talking. So it's a two-way, two-way street. So, so that's a great segue into compassionate business and compassionate leadership. And you've talked about some of the characteristics. Do you have just for the folks listening to sort of drive home your definition of what is compassionate business? Compassionate business is a business that puts people at the heart, where the leaders, workforce, clients and stakeholders are valued and work collaboratively to provide better outcomes for all. This is the foundation to a successful business. So it's about everybody working together. So the key words in there are value, collaboration, yeah, and outcomes, mm. yeah? 
Then you've got the, the compassionate leadership, which is an intuitive, heart-led, action-orientated approach that builds real human connection and outcomes, not only for the individual, but for the organization and culture. So we're really thinking about compassion and thinking about taking action. Okay, so it, it at least action. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's the action orientated because empathy is not necessarily action orientated, compassion mm. is. Right, so you take the empathy yeah. and you add action to it to get... That's right, that's, that's, that's right. So that's what compassion is, it's about, uh, you know, understanding, listening, caring, being considerate and really empowering people, you know, mm. but taking action to, to do that. Right. And do you find that people find that easy? Does it come naturally to the leaders you work with or is it sort of a bit of a, a bit of a struggle for some of them? Well, the thing about it is that they, I'm going to separate that out in two pieces. One mm. is the concept of it. So once you get past the concept of it, because there's a lot of myths around that word compassion. Yes. Mm. So let's think about that for a moment. The myths may be that it sounds soft and fluffy, kind, kindness, weakness. Weakness, yes. And uh, these are the these are the things that people will, will think these are the myths. So, I, I mean, I've got a compassionate business framework and part of the things that I do, with that compassionate business framework is, um, you know, we do some work around dispelling some of those myths mm. for the business case, because quite often they have to put a business case forward. However, to cut through some of that, if we look at, you know, the, the World Cup and the England football team and Gareth Southgate, that is a real clear evidence of, you know, compassionate leadership, how he empowered and inspired that young team to take us further into the World Cup than any other time, you know, over X amount of years. And, you know, all these other things that they're doing outside in the world, but it came so close. And he, you know, even when it came to who's going to take the penalty kit. He let them choose. He didn't say, you must do it and you must mm -hmm. do it. He let them choose. And he supported them when they missed. And he took responsibility and was ultimately accountable. I'm accountable and I'm going to protect you. So when we think about that as an example of compassionate leadership, I think the whole, you know, everybody across the world was on board with what was going on in that stadium that day. They swept the whole nation up in compassion the other one is um the you know jacinta's her you know new zealand and what she done with her country through the pandemic yeah and so those are two really really clear examples of compassionate leadership so when people can't connect i give them those two two examples inspirational stories are important right people need to to see that this can be done and to seek that inspiration from people who have succeeded to create that culture um, mm. of compassion and had success doing it i think absolutely yeah. absolutely and you know part because one of the things that you asked me earlier on that i realized that i didn't really um come back to was the what made me think about becoming a business mentor mm. well you see the thing about it is andrew i was always very entrepreneurial and even what I can even remember when I was thinking about this I, I can remember in secondary school I was the one that started up the tuck shop and was generating all of this money <laughs> there you, go. you know and uh how entrepreneurial that was and I remember saying to my teacher one day oh when am I when will I get paid and she said paid and I said what do you mean paid 
do you mean I'm not going to be paid? Do you think I'm giving up all of my break times to just surf? You know, I want to right. be paid. I've got I've got my eye on a pair of shoes that I'd love to buy. Mm-hmm. You know, so I realized that I was always doing that. And even when I was working in a clothes shop, I was getting wages. But instead of me taking the money, I would work out that it's better for me to buy clothes with the money because I could get the discount and I could get a whole lot more. You know, so I was always entrepreneurial. And when I started in, in local authority, I can remember, remember, can you imagine being a public servant and bringing money into, into the public sector? My, my manager, I remember my manager sitting me down very early and saying, Tony, we, this is public money. We don't actually bring money in, you know, <laughs> we, give it, we give it out and mm-hmm. we have to anything that comes in. And I, and I remember thinking, but business is business. <laughs> so so all of these all of these things very early for me and I was that way but because I had been in a space of leading organizations around social impact social justice social mobility vulnerable groups criminal justice you, you know social care specialist education mm. so really it was like how do the two come together and that is how there wasn't many people in the market mm. that were doing what I was doing because this particular area of business is you really do have to understand uh, about safeguarding, business continuity, contingency planning, risk, regulation, compliance. You have to understand that in this space. So it's not like a regular business. Yep. And I happen to have the experience of the two. So I'm working in, you know, I've experienced working in PLC as well as private mm. and charity. So when I combine it all together, that's where I... I came and then throw in the bit about the fairy dust and the inspiration. And there you, there you go. There you, you go. Got the you, whole package. <laughs> you got a perfect cocktail. A Absolutely. Perfect cocktail. And, Business and you, mentor, critical friends, all rolled into one. Excellent. Excellent. Because you have this, you know, you need the business head, as you talked about, as well as the, the human, human head for these to come together. And I suppose your experience in the government and social care world has given you a good grounding in that, which many leaders, you know, just go through the traditional just to business school and then to get their MBA and then get into well, the mean, business world, well, miss that. There's qualifications as well, but, you know, as well as experience, there's qualification. But the other side of it is that ultimately, you know, I've been out in some of those, those, those battles, you know, mm-hmm. and I've got the wounds and the scars and every single one of them tells a different story, Andrew. And they're all about what I've learned. So I don't have any regrets about anything because everyone was a learning experience. And I can even tell a story of when I nearly fell on my sword and I chose to nearly fall just so that I could learn. Yeah, that's it. It reminds me of words from a previous guest and who's become a good friend of mine called Maria Eddington, who said one of the greatest superpowers is to the power of being wisely wounded. So I just well, the love thing about that it is, Andrew, mm. I was in, a, I was in a, a, an organization and uh, it was a very, very difficult time. And I could have exited at that particular time. I was brought in mm. to work on this project and get them through. But I, I thought, well, actually, I want to know the next bit. Mm-hmm. I want to know that. It didn't, it looked like it, it may not have, I was going to come out of my hands dirty, basically. But do you know what? I took a chance and I decided that I wanted to learn. Mm. So I just got myself ready and I got my team around me 
Team, you ready? Yes, Tony, I'm ready. <laughs> I got my armor on. I put my lipstick on and I put my best shoes on to put my best foot forward, Andrew. And that is as much as I could do. And I was prepared as I could be to move forward and come out the other side, having been wiser. Mm. So I don't regret a moment of it because if I didn't make that sacrifice, how can I be sharing some of that wisdom with some of the people that I'm working with now? Right. So, and that's, and that's the, and we come back to the role modeling, don't we? We you do, know, we the, do. And we come back to the growth and the curiosity and that mindset of being courageous as well as curious. So I'm enjoying getting all these C's in continuously. Absolutely. And the, and the thing about it is, is as a leader as well, you've got to be courageous because you've got all of these other people that are following you. And sometimes, Andrew, when I speak out, I was never really one to, I was always one to just stay in the background and support others and move them forward. And the only reason, I'll tell you, the, the only reason why I started talking out and coming in the forefront was not for me, but because I wanted to encourage others to do that. Mm. That was what it was for. Wow. And I will show you how to do it. And that was the reason. So it wasn't an ego or anything on my part. It was really, I just wanted people to follow because I knew they were following. So that was all that was. So everything that I've done, yes, I think about me at the heart, but the me at the heart is really at the heart of others as well. Once they are doing well, once I can empower them, and I realise that actually if I empower others through the use of compassion, I love the 80-20 rule, 20% in, 80% out. And when I'm thinking about staff and employees, I think about 80% in, 80% in the staff. Mm, That's where you're putting your effort, yeah. That's where I'm putting my effort. And then I only do 20% of my, what I need to do, the bit that they can't do. Because if I make sure I put 80% in, they're going to give me that 400% return. Yeah exponential exponential that's right so i put the 80 percent in there so i flip it around on that occasion and i found that you know don't move their appraisals don't move their appointments their one-to-ones they're looking forward to it they've been looking forward to it for three months some in some cases a whole year yeah and you say no sorry this client's come up that client's more important right i'm going to go and have lunch with that client that's the worst thing so ultimately and and that's um that's why it's just really really important there so um yeah i love it so if we you know we've i think hope we've inspired people to to think about compassionate business and to be compassionate leaders i think we've talked a lot about of the benefits but if you just want to drive home really how it helps get results right for the people still doubting the power of this i think one of the things is that We've got to think about change and how does change happen? It doesn't happen overnight. There's a process. I personally have a toolkit that I've developed, which involves four key components, and they are behavior, innate, taught, learned, habitual, learning, kinesthetic, audio, and visual, environment, and in the center, we've got network. So who your peer group is. And, you know, if you think about which bits of that component because it's almost like a jigsaw puzzle, which bit goes where and how much of it and how much is the emphasis on the behavior piece and how much is it on how that person learns. 
you know? And so for me, that is really important to consider when we're thinking about change. Those are, and my husband always says, um, when you're thinking about networks, if you hang around a barber shop long enough, you will end up getting your hair cut. <laughs> <laughs> so make sure the right people are in your network. So when we think about change, that's really important there. So when we're thinking about the compassionate business piece, it's, it's really about compassion has actually helped me in so many ways. When I was working firsthand with young offenders, it kept me safe, Andrew, by listening, asking questions, caring. It kept me safe. And that's when I was working with some hardened offenders. In business, it has encouraged a more productive workforce. They are happier. When they are happier, if I give somebody the afternoon off because their child is at their sports day at school, they want to come and give me back a whole day. I'm trying to shuffle them through the door, but it's like, no, no, you know? So this is what happens. It comes back tenfold. So the, um, I have found that if my staff are happy and I quite often, I have a quote that I've created, which is count the smiles and the KPIs will take care of themselves. So if you concentrate on creating smiles, count the smiles because I had my team in the around the board table and we were scratching our heads at one point about some figures and some processes. And I saw that it was getting too much. And I said, look, let's just put this down, leave here, go out and just make your team happy. And in turn, your happy team will go out and create more happy people. And in turn, when we get to our clients and customers, they will be happy too. And that's right. And that's what the, the, the joyful leadership is all about. about Absolutely. Creating that belonging, that. Even people that cannot well-being. speak, they can smile. Yeah. And, and I love the way you said about the well being and taking the, letting the parent go to be their child day. I mean, it, it's, you know, that, that's like a once a year experience. And, you know, it seems that companies say, no, things, you've got to sit in the office. And that's more important. If you do things like that, if you do things like that, Andrew, the, the truth is you give them one hour they want to give you back five right you don't take it but do you, do you see what i mean it's like the, the willingness is there yeah and and sometimes you can keep that willingness to when you're really stuck they will just jump in yeah and that hard piece of work is like well look if you're staying i'm staying with you until we get this piece done and and that is really mm. what this is about it's about caring compassion taking action and and all of those things so it, Compassion has kept me safe. It has created a more productive team, a happier. And if people are happy, the bank balance is, is generally happier yeah. too. Yeah. You know? So, it's, so th- those things there, it's boosted morale. People look forward to coming to work. And, you know, it's, it's really, I, I, my office door used to be in the main corridor by reception. And I used to leave the door open in the mornings and just play some music. So if people walked past, they could pop their head in and just say, hi, Tony, how are you? Come in, have a cup of coffee or just hi. And it makes a difference. It makes a difference. It makes a difference. So I love the two things you've been talking about. One is this 80-20 rule of focusing only 20% of the time on your own work and 80% of the time on empowering and enabling. I, I'll, give you an, I'll give you an example, Andrew. Mm, this was, I was once in an organisation that were having a, a regulation inspection 
And, um, you know, they had no leadership in place. I was catapulted in to save the day. The time was coming up. It was really, it was just me that was in this leadership. Everyone else had been kind of, you know, either suspended or, or whatever it was. And um, I thought, I'm just never going to make it because I'm going to be let down on this leadership piece. Mm. You know, I'm going to get across for the leadership. And I just thought, well, look, do you know what? There's nothing more that I can do. Absolutely nothing more that I could do. So I down paper. And do you know what I done? I just went and spent the time with all the staff, sat with them, spoke to them about their work and really showed interest. And that's what got me through. And I got a big tick for leadership. Well done. (laughs) Well done. So it really is, you know, it's the time element, but then it's how you're using that time. You know, it's not for managing, it's not for leading, but it's really for this being present, communicating, being compassionate, being curious about their work, seeing them as humans. So it becomes this real human element to it. And it's a learned skill, right? Using your framework, I presume anybody, any business can or any leader can learn to become more compassionate tomorrow than they were yesterday because it's about that self-awareness piece once you tap into your self-awareness take away the pretense take away the ego and Mm. just be you and authentic it's a lot easier and we also need to be in the mindset that we don't have to do all of this we don't have to be great at everything i can do a b and c and andrew you can do d e and f you know And someone else can do the rest of the alphabet. But ultimately, I think that that is what it's about. And it's about people coming together, working together to bring the best. Mm. So it's fantastic. We could talk all day about this, um, but sadly, we're coming to an end. And and I know you're, you're, you're busy. You've got lots to do as well. But before we go, if you would sort of summarize it together and just, you know, gave our listeners three Three tips for creating a compassionate business, for being a more compassionate leader. What would those three things be? Well, I've already I've already uh, mentioned a couple of them. One is make sure that you're role modelling the, yeah. the behaviour that you're you're demonstrating. Always look to empower. We don't need to hold on to the power. Let's uh, use that power to empower others, and uh, you know, know about business. It's business acumen. It's more than just leading people, but most importantly, be authentic, be you. And if, you, if you're weak in an area, share. But can I just share a last statement? And yes. that statement there is a quote um, that I, I have come up with, and it is, the only qualification required to care is to qualify as being human. And we all do that. Well, we should do. Because, and, I, <laughs> and the reason why I say that, Andrew, is because... We don't need to leave it to the people that have got doctor in front of their name or the nurses Mm. or the care workers that have got care workers in front of their name. We don't have to leave it to the doctors, nurses or the PhD people. We don't need to leave it to those people to care. We all, if we are human, that's the only qualification Mm. required. So I'm just going to ask your listeners, are you human? Then you qualify to care. You are qualified to be compassionate. You are qualified to run a compassionate business. You're qualified for being a compassionate leader. Just be yourself. Absolutely it. Thank you. Thank you, Tony. So the final question is, what brings you joy? 
well, what brings me joy is bringing joy to others, really. Like I said, I've got a superpower, and that is that I come with fairy dust. And um, if I haven't got enough time to, to devote to giving to people, then I give them some fairy dust, and it's absolutely magical, and it works wonders. Well, thank you so much, Tony. And I hope your listeners have enjoyed my chat with Tony McLeland today. And you can find out more about Tony and the framework she has for compassionate business um, on her website, which is first, that's one stlifegroup.com. And we put the, the link in the, in the program notes. And you can also connect with Tony on social media, on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Clubhouse. Again, first life group, although on LinkedIn, you'll have to put Tony-McLeland.msc- and lots of numbers. So I suggest you just search for Tony McLeland or you click on the link in our program notes and you will find her and she will sprinkle some fairy dust on you if she has any stock left. Otherwise, she will replenish before she does so. So thanks again, Tony. This has been such a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you for empowering and inspiring our listeners on this such an important topic. Thank you, Andrew, uh, for having me and for all that you're doing to bring joy to the world. Thank you so much for that. And listeners, please, you know, jump onto social media and share your own experiences with the power of compassionate business and leadership. And if you don't already do so, please follow the art and science of joy. Come and join the conversation and help us spread the joy. And thanks once again for listening. And I hope you tune in for the next episode of the Art and Science of Joy podcast. Until then, stay well, stay joyful and be compassionate.